0: say a good story. I'm Emily. And I'm Rebecca and today we have a very special guest with
1: us. It is friend of the podcast Rhiannon. She is a writer and a PhD student and today she's going to share her infatuation with us. Hello
2: Rhiannon. (laughs) Hello. Thank you very much for having me. I have Loved you guys since you started this. I've been obsessed with this thing ever too, so.
0: Yeah, I feel like you and Dee are our biggest fans. <laughs> <laughs> you're really, you're keeping us going out there. Yeah, I'm just like, Basically. every week I'm just like, retweet this because I love you guys. And we
1: love you too. This
0: is, this is a big moment for me <laughs> that I'm here. Also, we met at uni, I don't think that was clear. Did we say that? No, well, we didn't. That's no. how we met. But yeah,
2: I have known these two for well, like five
1: years. Something like that.
2: Something I don't know. Like Time. That. Yeah. Time, Time exists. Yeah. Time passed. Oops. Yeah. Sadly. <laughs> Keeps
0: doing that. I don't like <laughs> it. <laughs> so shall we just kind of briefly say what the episode is? Sure. Sure. So we're not doing our infatuation this week. Rhiannon's going to take that over. She's brought a write and chat for us too. And then we're just going to do... Some, some of the usual yeah. <laughs> Um So it'll be like our guest episodes that we've had before. Yep. Um, so just, yeah, buckle
1: in and get ready to not listen to us for once. <laughs> Rhiannon. Hello. What are you infatuated with?
2: The first thing that I have to say is that you guys asked me to do this, like, I don't know, like a month and a half ago.
1: Mm.
2: And at the time... I had read like one book this year, maybe two, where I was like, okay, I'm obsessed with this enough. I can talk about it. That's fine. And then the next day I went to Waterstones and bought three books and read all of them. and was obsessed with all of them and I was like, oh no, now I have to decide. So I ended up going with Pretending by Holly Bourne, which I don't know why I went to pick up. Because y'all can't see me.
0: So. <laughs> She's presenting. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we do that, though. Yeah, we do yeah. that to each other. And we show it to each other. <laughs> At least
2: it's not just me. That's good. Right. <laughs> so the others were like wonderful, like highbrow literary works where I was like, oh, the writing is so good. But Pretending my Hollyborn I read in one day because I had nothing else to do. And I could not put it down. Like, I don't think I had dinner. I, think I was just like let's just read and find out what happens which was amazing it came out in april of 2020 but obviously i did not get it until september 21 with birthday money so very much thanks to my father and my stepmother for giving me money thank you <laughs> love you guys <laughs> <laughs> i cried multiple times while reading this and at one point was crying and then started laughing because of what they did because Holly Bourne is just that good, and I love her. I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, fair warning, uh, this book does have like some descriptions of like sexual assault, and I'm it's not on the page, and I'm not gonna like go into a lot of detail about it, but just like it's there. So be warned before you pick up the book. So, Pretending is the story of April, a woman in her early 30s who's had a string of bad dates and worse boyfriends, which we all have. Figuring it's her fault because she's the common denominator, um, she creates a persona, Gretel, who is everything April thinks that men want in a girlfriend. And uh, it's just sort of about how April having this persona sort of like affects her life and her job and um, this new relationship she starts with a guy called Joshua, which is the name of one of my brothers. So <laughs> I was on his side the whole way through. <laughs> like he can do no wrong. To give you an idea of what the book is going to be, the first chapter is incredibly beautiful and I'm going to read it as my first little example. And it's just like this full like in media res, no explanation, semi-stream of consciousness runt about why men suck. Love it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. So. (laughs) So, I hate men. There, I've said it. I know you're not supposed to say it. We all pretend we don't hate them, we all tell ourselves we don't hate them, but I'm calling it. I'm standing here on this soapbox and I'm saying it. I hate men. I mean think about it. They're just awful. I hate how selfish they are, how they take up so much space assuming it's always theirs to take, how they spread out their legs on public transport like their balls need regular airing to stop them developing dump. I hate how they basically scent mark anywhere they enter to make it work for them putting on the music they want to listen to the moment they arrive at any house party and always taking the nicest chair, how they touch your stuff instead of just looking, even tweak the furniture arrangement to make it most comfortable for them, all without asking first. Never asking first. I hate how they think their interests are more important than yours, even though twice a week all most of them do is watch a bunch of strangers kick a circle around a piece of lawn and sulk if the circle doesn't go in the right place. And how bored they look if you ever try to introduce them to a film, a band, or even a freaking YouTube clip before you've even pressed play. I hate their endless arrogance. I hate how they interrupt you and then apologise for it but keep on talking anyway. How they ask you a question but then check your answer afterwards. I hate how they can never do one piece of housework without telling you about it. I hate how they literally cannot handle being driven in a car by a woman, even if they're terrible drivers themselves. I hate how they all think they're incredible at grilling meat on barbecues. The sun comes out and man must light fire and not let woman anywhere near the meat, dumping blackened bits of chicken onto our plates along with the whiff of a burp from their beer breath, acting all caveman like we're supposed to find it cute that we may now get salmonella and that we're going to have to do all the washing up. I hate how I'm quite scared of them. I hate the collective noise of them when they're in a big group. The tribal hang like they all swap their IQs for extra testosterone when they swarm together. How, if you're sitting alone on an empty train, they always come and deliberately sit next to you en masse and talk extra loudly about macho nonsense, apparently to impress you. I hate the way they look at you when you walk past, automatically judging your screwability the moment they see you, telling you to smile if you dare look anything other than delighted about living with stuff like this constantly happening to you. I hate how hard they are to love, how many of them actually, truly think the way to your heart is sending you a selfie of them, tugging themselves, Harry ballsack very much still in shot. I hate how they have sex, how they shove their fingers into you, thinking it's going to achieve anything, jabbing their unwashed hands into your dry vagina, prodding about like they're checking for prostate cancer, then wondering why you now have BV and you still haven't come. Have none of them read a sex manual? Seriously? None of them? And I hate how they hate you just a little bit after they've finished. How even the nice ones lie there with cold eyes, pretending to cuddle, but clearly desperate to get as far away from you as possible. I hate how it's never equal. How they expect you to do all the emotional labour and then get upset when you're the more stressed out one. I hate how they never understand you, no matter how hard they try. Although, let's be honest here, they never actually try that hard. And i hate how you're always exhausting yourself trying to explain even the most basic of your rational emotional responses to their bored face i hate how every single last one of them has issues with their father and you know what i hate most of all that despite this despite this disdain i still fancy men and i still want them to fancy me to want me to love me i hate myself for how much i want them why do i still fancy men so much what's wrong with me why are they all so broken? Am I broken for still wanting to be with one, even after everything? I should be alone. That's the only healthy way to be. But I don't want to be alone. I hate men, that's the problem. God, I hate them so much. They're so entitled and broken and lazy and wrong and. and. hang on. My phone. He messaged back with a kiss on the end. Never mind. Forget I said anything. It's all good. <laughs> I'm just like, it's. It's so good because, like, the April's voice is, like, right there. Like, you can't avoid it. Mm. But there's also no identifying details. So it's, like, every woman talking about every man. And just, like, the universality is just, like, peak. And, like...
1: Yeah, I really love it. <laughs> that line about they interrupt you and say sorry, but then they just keep talking. Oh, my God. Went yeah. straight into my soul. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and I liked how it like turned like it's it's quite sort of like trivial, and then it's like oh like they scare me, and it's mm-hmm. a bit like oh yeah, it's like okay. we, we have reasons to not like, them. <laughs> yeah. like.
2: Despite like every guy is just disgusting and vulgar and treated women just like the pieces of meat that they're so desperate to barbecue, and like obviously hashtag not all men. But, <laughs> <laughs> but enough that the book is what a bestseller. Uh, yeah, I think so. (laughs) I've got a signed coffee, I don't don't know. Just happy (laughs) about that. So obviously, April in particular has, like, a tangible reason. Because a few years before the book starts, she was raped by her boyfriend twice before he dumped her. And then, like, six years later, she's, like, still struggling with this. Not helped by the fact that she works for a charity that helps victims of sexual assault, as well as other vulnerable people. And Bourne herself, like, worked in like the same role. So like she's like done it firsthand where like she's helped people like through these things and like at the back of it, there's like resources for people, there's like numbers and websites Mm. and it's like, I really love it. Yeah. (laughs) Because you can tell that like, it's not put in to like be shocking or anything. It's put in because it like needs to be talked about and it's a vital part of her character.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Obviously, April's personal trauma of like being raped severely impacts her relationships and her work. At the beginning of the novel, when she's having sex with a new partner, he tries to initiate a position that her rapist used. And obviously this triggers her and they don't have sex, which means that he dumps her. Um, so she's like blaming herself for that, which sort of like prompts the whole like creating of a persona. And then at work, part of her job is to like receive emails from people. And um, cause they sort of run like a bit of a helpline. And this guy emails in is like, he doesn't understand why his girlfriend is upset that she woke up to him having sex with her. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, what did I do wrong? I thought it would be cute to like wake her up like this. And April just like, she kind of loses it a bit, but fair. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So she like sends out a reply and like, it's, it's the kind of thing where like, it feels like it is being used for like a good reason. It doesn't feel like gratuitous and like, Born like, fully shows her, like, working through the trauma. She's got, like, therapy sessions. She joins, like, a kickboxing class to, like, for other victims of sexual assault to, like, work through her trauma, like, by physically. They do this thing where, like, they envision, like, the, I don't know, pads are the person who did something to them. And, like, that's what they beat up. And it's, like, very powerful. It's one of the parts that just makes you start crying because mm. these women just deserve better. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry for them, even though they're not real. When Borndolls show a flashback, there are a couple of occasions it's always about like how April felt in the moment and how she feels now about it. It's never like, this is what happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's more like the emotion without the unnecessary gratuitous detail. And considering publishing has a lot of unnecessary gratuitous detail very nice to see that we don't hear
1: yeah
2: yeah so i'm not going to quote from any of those flashbacks because that's just unnecessary but i am going to quote from the chapter where she decides to become gretel and it's like this full list of everything that bad guys have not bad guys every bad thing guys have done to her so i'm lying here in my 33 year old body that isn't getting any younger And I'm thinking of all the horrible things men have done to me and this wide open heart of mine. There was Tommy in sixth form who told everyone I just lay there like a brick the day after he took my virginity. There was Tommy again who cheated on me with Jenny Cartwright and everyone in the whole school knew it but me. There was his laugh when I confronted him. I thought you knew he'd said like it was all my fault. Then there was my overcorrection boyfriend at university, who couldn't be more sweetness and anti-toxic masculinity and wrote me poems and pushed them under my hall's door but needed to be loved in a way that no one could ever offer, bled into me, making my life his life and my friends his friends and always said I don't mind whenever I asked anything. When I left him after graduation, he couldn't handle his investment not maturing and swapped the love letters for long emails about what a total prick I was as a person. There was the date who went for a piss at the pub and never came back. There was the guy who told me he couldn't go down on I me mean, because I tasted like chyme. in. Then there was Ryan, whom I met age 25 when I was insecure and scared by how long I'd been alone for and who was the most perfect boyfriend for six months and made me believe I was going to save his life but then couldn't handle it or me when I couldn't. Then two years of arguments, always concluding that it was my fault, of anxiety pulsing through my stomach, wondering what Ryan I would get that day, the rare, amazing Ryan, or the man who told me I spoke too much and laughed too high-pitched and cooked all my food wrong and who never wanted to touch me, until those two times where he raped me coldly and clinically. And it took me years to call it that, because I was so confused and filled with self-disgust that I felt i just let it happen. Then there was the fallout of Ryan after he moved on to some poor 24-year-old whom I know from the low moments when I spy on him. He still calls hashtag soulmate on his Insta, how I tried to have a one-night stand like you're supposed to do when you're 27 and heartbroken, but how I couldn't have sex and screamed in piercing agony pushing him off me. Then there was the hospital appointment, my legs in stirrups, and the year of using numbing gel and vaginal trainers to try and fix what he'd done to my body and being too scared to leave the house, let alone consider dating. Then there was John, two years later, whom I told about Ryan and who then used it against me, telling me it was clearly too soon for me to have a relationship if I ever dared behave imperfectly before dumping me. And then there's been all the microaggressions of dating hell since. The ghosting. The guy who is happy to date you for two months and then, only when oppressed admits he sort of has a girlfriend. The slight winces new dates make when you say something that doesn't match their idea of what a woman should be. The last-minute cancellations the hours of my life waiting for a man who is late checking my phone and pretending i don't mind when he finally turns up so much rejection gaslighting entitlement pushiness scorn manipulation power play compulsive lying on and on it has gone and every time no matter what men do to me i have taken some time out to recover and then hurtled back into the ring determined to try again you can't lose the faith otherwise you lose the opportunity to spend your life with someone You've got to keep trying, I told myself. This time will be different, I told myself. You can't love without fear, I told myself. There must be someone, I told myself. They can't all be broken, I told myself. Other people have managed it, I told myself. I can't tell myself lies anymore.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, again, it's just like, every person can like relate to at least one of those things. I'm just...
0: Yeah. There
2: are too many men who suck in this world. <laughs> Oh, and as someone who's 26 and uh, not dating, I'm like, it's fine. It's
1: fine. (laughs) Yeah, the the relatability is feeling more like a call out than Mm. a comfort, but Mm. we'll just move on with that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so it was just, I mean, I remember we, I think we were told in university to not use relatability. We were like, you can't say it's
1: relatable because that's not a thing.
0: Um, oh yeah.
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Like you weren't allowed to say that as like a critique. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, that is very relatable. So <laughs> like. It's okay if you called it universality. That's the same thing. Yeah, no. Yeah, but it was fine if you called it that. You just weren't allowed to call it relatable because academics. Mm. We love act acad- academia in this room. <laughs> um. <laughs>
2: so that's kind of like the beginning to Gretel's introduction, where April just decides that like she's link because all those things have happened to her, so she must be the problem. Mm. So she creates this persona called Gretel, which is based off a woman she worked with one time, who was really cool. Uh, <laughs> which I mean, fair. Fair. Yeah. Good. <laughs> good. yeah. So April sets up like a new dating profile for her, and then we start getting these like fascinating chapters that are just like tips from Gretel on like how to get a guy and how to keep a guy. And some of them are only like a paragraph long, or like they're really really short, but they're the concept of like a fictional character inside the novel being given the same weight as a real character in the novel is just like makes my little reader soul happy mm. but my writer soul so mad because i know i couldn't do that <laughs> <laughs> how do you get that like how mm, how do you do that babe? please Tell me your secrets, Hollyborn. Is <laughs> it right, <in. laughs> right <in. laughs> please, <Yeah>. No. <laughs> just email me. How do you fracture your brain into that many parts? <laughs> exactly, please. So like her first guide is like it's just an introduction to Gretel, but in her own words. And it's exactly what you expect from April's descriptions of her before this, as like this like sassy, carefree, super chill woman who's down for whatever. But there's an undercurrent in the Gretel parts that's, like, you can feel April coming through. Mm. And then that just gets, like, stronger and stronger as you go through the book until close to the end, where April and Gretel have a conversation. Ooh. Yeah. Which is why I'm, like, really jealous. Like, how do you do this? (laughs) <laughs> and it's just like, oh, I can't quote that part of the conversation because it would like spoil the plot, mm-hmm. but it's so good <laughs> that it makes me mad. <laughs> so I'm going to do like Gretel's first wee part, which is also so good. It makes me mad, but in a less mad way. <laughs> um, so this is Gretel's guide to getting your guy. Feeling lost in love, trapped in a powerless cycle of endless dates. Desperate to finally have a man drop the big L. Hi, my name's Gretel, and I'm here to help you finally cross the finish line. All you have to do is pretend to be someone else. Me. You see, I'm just your regular, everyday, manic pixie dream girl next door slut with no problems. (laughs) I.e. exactly what all men want. (laughs) I'm a high worth woman who's independent, but still really needs a man. Only when he's in the mood to feel needed, that is when he's not in the mood to feel needed. Don't worry, I'm off backpacking somewhere and whipsy-dizzy, he misses me now. Who would have thought? I have such a strong character, but don't worry, it's not too strong. It includes things like having a dirty laugh and standing up for refugees. Don't panic, I don't stand up for anything that makes him feel personally uncomfortable because he's slightly guilty of being problematic in that way. I won't go all strong on him about sexual violence or the pay gap. No, I'll just stick to malaria, homelessness or something. I am excited to wake up every morning. I have such a fabulous life filled with exciting but not threatening things. And he feels so lucky to be a part of it. My resting face is serene. I glow. (laughs) Everything about me just glows. I don't really nag because I don't get upset by the stupid stuff. He never has to worry about upsetting me because I'm never insecure. However, every so often I will lightly whimper on him just so he can feel manly when he snuggles me into his arms. He's so good at comforting me about the mild thing I'm upset about that doesn't freak him out or make him feel helpless. I won't have PTSD from a rape or an eating disorder or anything. I would never get raped, that's totally not my thing. And I won't have any serious mental health problems that require patience. I don't even get PMS because I'm on hormonal contraception so he also never has to use a condom. What a win. I'm feminine, of course, not in an obvious, insecure way. We've established already that I'm not insecure. How repulsive for a woman to be insecure. Not me. Where were we? Oh yes, I'm feminine. Don't worry, I never take too long to get ready. I'm naturally beautiful. I don't realise it, of course, that would be egotistical. (laughs) But I'm also confident in how I look. I'm feminine in an effortless way. I'll randomly shove on some flowery dress and I'll reek of womanliness so much that the flowers may just float off my dress and follow me around like Pocahontas. I've got an edge to me though, I can totally be one of the guys. In fact, he loves to bring me out and watch how well I fit in with them and how they all look at me and wish I was their girlfriend. I make the perfect crude joke. I have an interest in whatever boring sport he's into. Not because I'm pretending to, I actually find it interesting. I'm one of those people who will wake him up one morning and say, let's go on an adventure with a glint in my eye and both our passports in my hand. I'm not a pushover, that's important to note. I won't let him walk all over me. I completely and utterly know my worth and if he doesn't show me the respect I deserve, I will let him know it. Somehow I managed to do this in a magical mystical way that never feels like nagging. My cool job means I have money, so I don't need him in that way, but I don't have a silly intimidating amount of money maybe just the same as him ideally a tiny bit less i always smell good i dance like i'm lost in the music i'm not fussy about where i sleep i have a brilliant appetite but i'm never fat i like to have sex however he likes to have it i reach orgasm through penetration alone no man can believe his actual luck when he meets me oh and by the way i'm not real (laughs) so like she's just so perfect i'm like I think as well, like, you can tell, like, her voice is just as strong as April's in the other chapters. But it's just... I can't say what happens with Gretel because that's, like, obviously a spoiler. as yeah. like she interacts with Joshua. But it's so good how, like, you have, like, the confident, fearless Gretel... But, so, like, she'll be talking, and then, like, the narration will be, like, all of April's, like, insecurities, Mm. and, like, her going, like, oh my god, how do I reply to this? He, like, wants to meet up with me next Tuesday, but, like, that's only, like, three days after we last saw each other. Does this mean he actually likes me? Is he gonna say he loves me? Like, all that, (laughs) like, manicness that... I
1: personally have never felt.
2: Definitely <laughs> not, no.
1: Can I just say your delivery of Gretel was so good? I was gonna f- say. Your performance is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> like, I might not. I did
2: drama club for like four years at school, so. so that so dramatic amazing. monologue has been sitting there. <laughs> I mean, let's feel this. I am Gretel. I'm just as carefree and like. So cool. wonder- such a kill cool girl. Yeah, yeah definitely damn. not insane. <laughs>
1: no need for patience with any of the people in this room. (laughs) Oh
2: my gosh, no! Because we're all perfect! (laughs) It's heavens! So, like, it it just has such a satisfying ending, the whole, like, Gretel thing, where, like, it's not, like, sunshine and roses and, like, they get married within, like, three months of knowing each other. Like, some rom-coms would have you believe happens to people. Mm. Although, I love that. I love a good (laughs) rom-com. Like, not gonna lie, if I was in one and I got married in three months, I wouldn't be upset. But... (laughs) No, it's just, it's so good. The other reason that I really love this book is that while it is a romance, it's not like that's the only thing in her life. Like she very much has friendships and her job and she's got this friend that she lives with called Megan. And I'm not gonna lie, the relationship does not remind me of you (laughs) two. It's so cute. (laughs) So there is one scene in particular that this is the one that made me like laugh in the middle of crying because I was like, this is perfect and this is the kind of like female friendship that we need to see more of, but also very much
1: you (laughs) too. So (laughs)
2: So April has like just organized a date with Joshua as Gretel. And it's, it's like, with all that organized, Gretel leaves my body and I slump onto the sofa and stay there until Megan comes home. It stinks in here is how she announces her arrival. And why are there feathers everywhere she stops and looks at me lying sideways and staring glassily at dawson's creek with the sound off she knows instantly my god hun i'm fine i tell dawson's big fat forehead sorry about the cushion i'll clear it up i'll buy you a new one she dumps her giant bag of overnight gear onto the floor and sits by my head reaching out to put her hand on me the kindness of it makes me start weeping sorry i keep saying i'm so sorry don't be sorry don't worry about the cushion what's going on oh hun she lifts me up from under my shoulders and kind of drapes me into hugging her i cry onto her shoulder tears flowing my muscles too heavy to move myself i'm like one of taylor swift's highly malleable cats megan strokes my hair oh honey she whispers into my hair there there it's gonna be okay it's in the past remember it can't hurt you now i'm being stupid i managed to get out it will pass Sorry, I think Dawson pushed me over the edge. She laughs. He has that impact on most people. Right, come on, sugar. You need sugar. She strokes my hair one last time, then gets up and goes into our kitchen, returning with the dairy milk she's smart enough to keep in the fridge. She breaks off a block of eight fat squares. Eat, she commands, pushing the chocolate into my mouth. It's hard to bite into without chipping a tooth, but I chew and obey. It starts to melt and turn to a thick, creamy sludge squelching in between my teeth. It tastes nice I swallow and open my mouth like a baby bird Megan laughs cracks another line and feeds it to me before having some herself within minutes the sugar has done what it's supposed to do and I feel slightly lifted slightly more able to hold up my own muscles again I wiggle so I'm sitting upright sorry I say again stop saying sorry sorry I will hit you why is Dawson so annoying he's actually the worst what episode young she sits next to me and we press play and watch the rest of it. It's the one where Dawson and Joey finally kiss and Megan lets out a sigh when they do. I can't believe they've not noticed it's raining, I say. It's what I always say when we watch this one. I know, even Auntie McDowell noticed the rain when she was kissing Hugh Grant. And Hugh Grant is way more distracted to kiss than Dawson. We watch the two teenagers swap saliva and return to our predictable arguments about why P.S.C. is so much better. When the credits kick in and Dawson has gone on to patronise another day, Megan and I turn to each other. And then, like, just the rest of it is just, like, the rest of their conversation, but i was like, <laughs> so good. That is <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. And also, it's just, like, I mean, I've never been here when you two are, like, on your own, but it's how I picture, like, one of you's having a bad day and the other one's just, like, you
1: need sugar. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's pretty accurate, to me. fair. Whenever um, Emily has a bad day, I buy buttons. Yeah, <laughs> and whenever I have a bad day and I'm comat,
0: Emily usually brings me things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and tea fun. as well as tea a is a thing. One between us as well. Yeah, yeah. Because you
2: have the perfect female friendship. <laughs> perfect
0: friendship, <It's> not female. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do that.
2: Um, but, uh, you guys are great. And this book is just. I I feel like I've just said this book is great so many times. <laughs> But, that's the point, is that's an infatuation. Line, I was going to say, you are yeah. infatuated, it's okay. I, yeah. I, don't, I can't explain it. If I wrote this as an essay and I submitted it to someone, they'd be like, girl, where is your reasoning? And I'd be like, read the book, that's the reasoning.
1: Turn it in, would be like, you've plagiarised
2: yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you've done it's great. 600 times. It's a 600-word essay, I haven't done this. Um, so the last part that i wanted to do is like the last chapter is the most perfect like full circle ending from the first chapter and like reading them separately is just criminal which is why you have to also read it one day whenever you read it guys so (laughs) please promise me it's one year later i hate some men and you know what i don't think that's over the top considering what some men do The ones who hurt and push, the ones who see you as decorations, the ones who are so sad and so messed up that they take and take and take and still feel empty. I hate that they refuse to admit that they hate women. I hate that they still blame it on us. I hate that so many of them seem so far beyond help and all the damage they're going to cause as a result of that. I hate the ones who laugh at our anger, who diminish our pain, want to keep their slimy hands tightly clutched on the reins of this world riding the rest of us and whipping us like horses i hate the men that did the things to me that made me hate men i think that's appropriate i believe only i am allowed to decide if forgiveness is something i'm willing to give them and i choose not to i will not turn the other cheek to the men who damaged me i don't owe them anything but i love some men i love the men who try to be different I love the men who listen more than they talk i love the men brave enough to hear what we have to say i love the men who then talk to other men about it even though it goes against everything they have been taught not to do i love the men who want to break the cycle who want to be different from their fathers or their brothers their friends or their colleagues i love the men who can confront the uncomfortable truth that it is their fathers and brothers friends and colleagues who are doing this to women we have to admit maybe women see a different side to them, one we are not lying about. I love the men who don't need sisters and daughters and wives to make us human and not want us hurt. I love the men who cry. And I can't read the rest of it because it's a huge spoiler. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, she goes through so much and she ends up like so much growth in herself, but like, she still hates the men who suck, because the men who suck really suck. Yeah. And I'm just like... She's my child. (laughs) (laughs) I really love her. Day four of a migrant, I really love her. (laughs) Rhiannon is going through it. (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely nearly cried earlier when I was reading this. So, And that's just thinking about the book, let alone reading the book Mm. again. So it's really good. That's all I have to say. It's just, it's really
1: good. <laughs> I love how this book seems so serious and yet the cover is so, like, girly. Oh, yeah, the Ooh. cover
2: is, um, it's like a woman putting on lipstick, but it's like, she's got one of those, like, tiny little makeup cases. So, like, she looks like she's doing it, like, in public. She's just, like, sweeping mm. on an extra coat or something went out. And it's like, when it comes to being perfect, aren't we all pretending? <laughs> and, like, it's just so pink and beautiful
1: yeah i know i love it i'm
2: obsessed with it yeah i pink has become one of my new favorite colors and i don't know when that happened but i bought pink headphones so <laughs> they're like, you're really committed baby pink i don't even have pink headphones girl get some <laughs> You could have, like, 60 quid off on HMV. It was great. Mm. That's good. That's pretty
1: good. That is not an ad. (laughs) (laughs) Not a sponsor. It will be if you pay me. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean,
0: if HMV wants to sponsor us, that's fine. I'm more than happy with that. Cool.
1: Well, thank you so much for that. I definitely (laughs) want to read that now.
0: Yeah, it sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's very much up my street. Did I see a Dolly Alderton review on the cover? Because it's very uh, Dolly. Yeah. So Dolly Alder- Alderton said a modern love
2: story. Yeah. Mm. Beth O'Leary, who wrote the Flatshare, called it a triumph. Mmm. Keyes likes it as well. So.
1: I've not read the Flatshare, but I do think it looks fun.
2: My yeah. Yeah. I,
1: Steph likes it.
2: Yeah, and I got my friend it for Christmas or her birthday, mm. and if you're listening, I'm sorry, I don't remember which, but <laughs> she loved it when she read it so I think it's really good. It's just my my two be red pals the same height as me, so <laughs> Yeah. Good to don't have
0: time <laughs> like.
1: What is your writing
2: chat that you have brought for us today? Okay, so my writing chat is this is something I have I have the most wonderful writing grip. Sadly, it's not including you two, but um, <laughs> it is a grip that there's like nine of us and I love them. We call each other the Hive. I'm fully getting a tattoo for them. I love these guys.
1: Oh,
2: um, And the other day, one of them, Leah, put in the chat, they were like, how do you like balance empathy and creating good characters in one hand, the like characters that people love and want to root for. Mm. How do you balance that with sadism and the fact that you have to hurt your characters? <laughs> and yeah like you have to put them through conflict because people won't read the book if you don't <laughs> bearing mind, i had no answer they all did and i was not smart enough to take part of the conversation <laughs>
0: <laughs> hmm. that's a good question i think for me it's very much
2: like internal stakes are more important than external stakes but external stakes are easier to write
1: can you explain what you mean by that for our listeners?
2: Yeah, so the analogy that Leah used, because I'm going to steal everything they say, <laughs> was if it's like a tightrope walker, like if they are five inches off the ground, we don't really care. Like, great, you fall, you, you, you're practically on the ground anyway. Yeah. If you're like five foot off the ground, there's going to be some pains. So like, that's the physical stakes are a lot higher.
0: Mm.
2: But If the person who's five inches off the ground looks terrified and it's clearly their first time, we care a lot more than someone who's five foot off the ground, but it's just like walking across it. Like it's no big deal.
1: Yeah. Okay. Got you.
2: So it's like, how do you, like, what do you consider to be more important? Like how do you balance doing Mm. those?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So how do you like, it's like mountains and molehills. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. where's the, where's the point where it becomes, where you need to do it and the point where it becomes... Ridiculous. Yeah,
2: but also, where's the point of like not having enough? Mm. Yeah.
1: I'm not very good at character. I'm going to just <laughs> say that <straight laughs> I struggle a lot with character, and so I don't know that I'm going to have an answer to that because I don't feel like I'm far enough in my prose writing character mm. development to even know the answer to that. Okay. I mean, fair. <laughs> but do you recognise it as a reader? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that I agree with you. Like you care a lot more when you're. I think that like for me, it's always first person narration, mm-hmm. like inner monologue. That's that's how I get to care about a character. Mm-hmm. And I think that like if you want me to give a like theoretical answer on how you balance that with having to put a character through bad things, like you already said, it, no one read read the book otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So, like, I'm okay as a reader with them going through bad things because the nice thing about books is that you generally have a feeling that they're going to be okay Mm -hmm. if they're the main character or they're going to die horribly, you know, and it's going to break your heart. But, like, generally, it's kind of like when you're watching a TV show, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't normally introduce a main character to then make them not be able to continue the story.
0: Unless it's Game of Thrones. Unless it's Game of Thrones. <laughs> I nearly gave away spoilers for you as well
1: there. I was like, not going to say that. Mm. But, like, you know what I mean? In general, you feel like if I'm a quarter of the way into the book and the character's really going through it, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, this sucks, but it's got to get a little bit better because it can't be this bad for the next 500 pages. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so there, that's, that's that. Mm.
0: I think in terms of, like, balancing it myself, I feel like when I start writing a novel. I say that as if I've done loads. <laughs> but, like, I feel like when I start planning a story, I know what all the, like, big emotional beats are because mm-hmm. that's how I think about it. Yeah. I'm like, so I need that character to have that emotion, but I need to work out how they do. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I've already worked out, this character is going to go through turmoil at this point, but I'm trying to build the story around it. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, how I approach it, but I think I sort of look at it like what what's believable for the character of the story. Mm-hmm. How do I get them to have that big dramatic emotion, but it doesn't seem like cringy dramatic? Does yeah. that make sense? Like out of proportion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like when it comes to I li- I quite enjoy writing when characters are a little bit <laughs> in the midst of panic. <laughs> <laughs> it's th- like therapy <laughs> I actually read
1: a really interesting thing the other day that kind of relates to this and mm-hmm. it's that, so it was about poetry but it relates to prose mm-hmm. and it's that like every writer has an emotion that they primarily write from so like they were saying like Richard Silken is probably panic yes. uh, Mary Oliver is probably relief If you because like they're, mm-hmm. if you look at their poems like yeah. his are always panicked yeah. and it never says that he's panicked but they always just sound it and I was trying to think of, like, I can't, I don't have an answer, but I thought that's a really useful way to think about that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, what emotion do you primarily write from? Mm. What is your writing emotion? And then, wow. not necessarily when you're feeling at the time, but like the emotion that comes through in your writing. Yeah. So like, that's my contribution to that, is maybe Emily's saying she quite enjoys putting her characters through the turmoil. <laughs> I I think someone that maybe writes from certain emotions would find that easier
0: yeah yeah I think I just find it easy to write big dramatic moments because it's more like enjoyable to sort of be a bit dramatic like to Mm. let yourself be dramatic when you're writing like I prefer that to the more mundane moments even though I love those in books Mm. but I find them quite dull to write because I'm like oh I like I want this like nice quiet moment but like I want to like put some like Dramatic, like lyrical spin on it, and that's easier <laughs> yeah. to do if it's like some big, you know, emotional scene. Yeah, you like. like to
1: write with like a lot of pizzazz and like, yeah, p- like flair. Yeah.
0: yeah, so
1: it's easier to do
0: that when the stakes are high. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I
2: always think I, I want to just write the opposite of what I'm writing at the minute. So like, if I'm mm. writing like the big scene, I'm like, no, I can't. It just be like two people just in a room just talking about how much they love each other. And then when I'm doing that, I'm like, that's really hard.
1: That's emotions. I don't like the vulnerability. Let's get rid of <laughs> that. Like,
0: yeah, I get that, but I think that's a writer thing in general, yeah. isn't it? It's like
1: when you know you have to write something, it becomes much less fun, and
0: you're always trying to think of like the next thing you can write. Or at least I am. Yeah,
1: like, and then you just get to draft four, and you're like, how mm-hmm. can I make this harder for myself? <laughs> <laughs> <So> yeah, <laughs>
0: it's
2: bring
1: characters back to life. Did you have like an answer that you thought of like for that? now? <laughs> yeah, I look smart enough to have an answer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. I you know, I, I think that pushes. that our answer is that we don't really we don't really, don't have, really an have an answer, but yeah. it is an interesting thought, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
2: I think I think it's just very much like you sort of have to pick if like external conflict is like the tightrope being high. It's like if that's more important than like you have to make sure that comes across.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um.
2: But you're gonna have writers, or you're gonna have readers who prefer like the quiet moments. Yeah. To like, or you, and you're gonna have some who are like, no, I want like the battle that involves five different armies and mm. all sorts of people and like constant lists of people who's fighting yeah. who, and you just have to like work out where you are because you're gonna alienate someone.
1: I was gonna say yeah. it probably depends on genre as well. Yeah, so, like a fantasy is obviously gonna be more external for a That's lot of fun. it. Well, Mine isn't. It depends on the fantasy. I yeah, because I,
0: I would say most of the fantasy I read isn't. I would but like, say most of fantasy. High fantasy of like, like old fashioned Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings-y yeah, high guess, fantasy yeah. is more.
1: Boy fantasy. Boy fantasy boy is fantasy. more. <laughs> <it's> more <laughs> <like> Bad fantasy. <laughs> it's more like external. Whereas I feel like a lot of more modern fantasy mm-hmm. and yeah. contemporary fantasy is a lot more internal.
0: And it's a lot more yeah. about the character art.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Than rather than the world. Yeah. Basically, when you've got a narrative that's driven by world building, you can have much more external. Shit.
2: Yeah. yeah. World building's really hard. Guys, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, I <it's> write <laughs> <right laughs>
1: poems because you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you don't have to have characters.
2: You don't have to have a world. No, no, no. You guys are all to blame for my world building because you decided to talk about Jonathan Norrell and Mr. Strange, and that decided to get into my brain and make me realize I wanted to add footnotes to my novel. Mm. And don't
1: do it. (laughs) Oh, I do love a footnote though. I I do love it. They're
2: great, and then you have like who every single member of the council and like their backgrounds and when they all became members of the council and how one of them was deposed at one point. (laughs) Um, Just like, don't do it. (laughs) You will cry many times.
1: Have a quickfire favourite? I do. Um, Please share. Can I just?
2: I have them all like written in order as well. <laughs> very you sad. took a new
1: page!
2: Yeah, <laughs> I took a new. That's my quickfire favourite, and then that's the answer. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> it was like, on the separated. <laughs> um, so, my quickfire favourite is like an addition to your playlist, though I'm very excited <gasps> for this. Yes! <gasps> Yay! Um, it's Tom Cardi's album, Artificial Intelligence. Yeah. Particularly the song "Big Breakfast," which has the line "Wednesday Arvo works set up an embargo on me going home to watch Netflix and cry," which is such a 2021 move. <laughs> like all we want to do is just go home and cry, but work exists. Yeah, so.
1: that is very much a mood. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs>
2: and it's such a good song, and I, he's so big on TikTok. I'm like, who but, is this man? I don't know. Oh my, you don't know? Him? I recognize
0: the name, but I couldn't he's tell.
2: You. Like this, I don't know if he's Australian or New Zealand. I think he's New Zealand. Mm. Wait, New Zealand dish? New Zealand dirt? New Zealand dirt? Kiwi. <laughs> Kiwi. Kiwi. There we go. <laughs> words. And he like has like a little like keyboard and like he just splits and plays his keyboard and comes up with dumb songs he's got one called Fritz salad he's got one about mixed messages which is about like you go on a date with a girl and then um, you don't reply for seven days and then you punch her dad in the penis <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> like it's <That's> so good <laughs> Um, then there's one about a robot that wants to take over the world and Although the only thing that irritates me is the last song of the album is the robot wants you take over the world. And it ends like partway through, I can't remember if it's partway through a word or if it's if it's the word anticipation. It either ends just before that word, like you know what's coming next because mm-hmm. it's like repeating a line from earlier or it ends halfway through and it just just ends. And you're just like, <sighs> and it makes my little pain. That is very that's, clever, though. That's
0: some rocky horror vibes there. Exactly. <laughs> that's why I love this man.
2: So everyone, go follow him on TikTok and listen to his album on Spotify because he's yeah.
0: great. Yeah, I think I have seen him on TikTok. I think that's how I know who he is. Yeah, like, if you could repost yeah. things on TikTok, my feed would just
2: be him. <laughs> like, because yeah. I have also posted. I've screenshot, not screenshot. I've like recorded the video on TikTok cut it down to just this line about wanting to go home watch Netflix and cry and I posted that to Twitter and I tagged him and he didn't reply. So <laughs> started. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I hate you.
1: I need to get a TikTok. Yeah. yeah. Girl. I started But no, like I can't because I'll just my whole life will stop. I can't. Yeah. I've gone I've come this far. I can't do it. I'll need to do
0: it eventually. My work will probably make me, but yeah. anyway. What's your quick favourite Emily? I also have a song. Nice. Yay so i've been meaning to talk about this for like months and keep forgetting about it but and you'll have definitely heard it in the flat but it's a song called pink slips by jenna doe
1: Yes. yeah
0: so it's a noughties inspired like pop punk kind of sapphic song it sounds like something that lindsay lohan's band in freaky friday would sing love Love it my little gift heart i love that film (laughs) Uh, And yeah, I just love it. It's about a girl who has this, like, perfect girlfriend, but she's fallen for, like, the bad girl in the class. (laughs) And the lyrics are just so great. I have, like, most of them (laughs) to say. (laughs) So the, like, the start of the song and also, like, the chorus is You blew me a kiss in the class that she skips And you hold my hand, but she bites my lips I'll wear your sweater for her I unzip You write me love letters while she gets pink slips good that is good and then i just want to read out the lines that like finish each of the verses so the first one is and your eyeliner is flawless always colored in the lines but her makeup's always running and in the race she's first in line and then the end of the second verse is and this is all wrong in my head it might sound a little twisted But she's living like she's already dead. And I'm a sucker for the wicked. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's just so good. It's like Freaky Friday vibes. 10 Things I Hate About You vibes. Jennifer's Body vibes. It's It's serving me like Casey
1: and uh, What's Her Face from Atypical, which I don't know if either of you have watched. No, I have heard a lot about it, but I haven't seen it. It's very good. And I feel like someone
0: somewhere has probably made an edit of Mm. that couple Mm -hmm. to this song. Nice. Um so yeah, I just feel like someone needs to help me write like a sapphic naughty teen movie. this is the <laughs> soundtrack. Did. Yeah, we'll help <laughs> that, that's the product.
1: <laughs> We've been looking for a product for our mythical production <laughs> yes, Also,
2: So <laughs> Lita is also very, very sapphic music, so like we'll have her in the soundtrack a bit as well. Okay.
1: Nice, <laughs> sweet. What's your quickfire favourite? Mine is also music. Oh, nice! Um, <laughs> my quickfire favourite this week is an album. It's the new album by London-based band Oh Wonder, Ooh. and I have a story about Oh Wonder because they're so cool. So they are a couple, Anthony West and Josephine Vander West, and they make this really like honest music about their relationship. So last year they released their album "No One Else Can Wear Your Crown," which, by the way, I love a long album title, mm-hmm. love that. But, and this latest album is called 2 Two Break," but it's like twenty two. Is like the perfect follow up. So it's the same like dreamy like synth poppy sound that they're known for, and they've got all this like pretty harmonies and like vocal layering and stuff like that. It's very cool. But the tracks on this are a lot less poppy. There's like random jazz influences in them. They don't have, like, verse-chorus-verse-chorus verse, chorus structures. Mm. Loads of them are just, like, little poems mm. to music. Mm. Um, so it's, like, a weird album, but it's cute. And the album is the couple documenting their breakup and reconciliation over lockdown. Oh. So this is some rom-com shit. So over <laughs> over lockdown, they wrote these songs together, but according to this interview that I read, they so they were writing songs, and then these, like, really venomous lyrics started coming out, and they would just, like... Not, not acknowledge them and finish the song but be like
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and one song, one of my favourite songs is a really good example of this so it's a song called Baby and it's basically just a series of questions in the verses. It's very anxious so I'm just gonna read more, like, I've got like half of it here because why not so it goes what if my baby started running what if she swallowed all the sea What if I hate who I'm becoming, and my young heart never runs free? What if the sparrows start freewheeling, dot to dot that atmosphere? What if my tired arms are squeezing onto moments held so dear? I'm just afraid that I'm failing, I'm just afraid that I'm done. I'm just afraid that I'm washed up and dried out, and the water ain't gonna save me. And what if she's fixed, but somehow broken? All the talking makes her cry, and that home she built won't open, any guest will bleed her dry. But what if stars were in her ceiling and the planets in her eyes and the glimmers of that feeling made her see a hopeful sky? Because I'm just afraid that I'm failing and I'm just afraid that I'm done. I'm afraid that I'm washed out and dried up and the water ain't going to save me. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really like what if the stars were in her ceiling and the planets in her mm, eyes. Yeah. I just think that's so pretty. Yeah, that's a good line. But like, during recording, they started telling people that they'd broken up because they had, Mm. but they kept working on the album, and then they kind of started apologising to one another through the lyrics. And they finished the album, and by the time they finished the album, they got back together. So you've got the second last track on the album, which is called Kicking the Doors Down, and the end of those lyrics are, But the second you fold, there's an answer, a glimmer of gold in the grey, the space in your bed's getting bigger, there's a stack of regret where we let it all set to a fade. And you both say, why are we on a race to separate lives? And you both say, what if we made a pact to make it right? And you both say, what if we loosen the tightrope back to before with the high hopes we'll be kicking the doors down?
2: That's so cute.
1: I know. (laughs) And now they're married and they own a coffee shop that they just run when they're not making music. Which I just think is goals. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Is this actually real or is this really a rom-com that you're just telling no, us No, it actually real. Like, I feel like I need to link the interview because I read it and was like, I read it really late at night and when I woke up the next morning I was like, was that a dream? Mm. <laughs> like, that story, yeah. was yeah. that a dream? And then I had to look it back up and I was like, no, this is real. Yeah, oh send me that and I will put that yeah. in the show notes. Cause it's, because it's like a really long interview but it's so, so interesting. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that wasn't really quick, but I felt that yous would both enjoy it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So. (laughs) So our question this week is which actor did you really want to see play a character or be cast as a character, but they haven't yet. So Rhiannon, do you want to go first?
2: Yeah, so my first answer was Dame Tennant. Mm. And took me a while to think of something I wanted him to play. It's <laughs> it just like him. because um, the other problem is that I have a condition that means I can't picture things. so Y'all really killed me with this one. Oh. But there's a series of books called The Last Dragon Chronicles, mm-hmm. and it's literally about like this like family who like make little dragon like figurines but they're real and they can fly and they can talk <gasps> and oh it's my like god they're so cute yeah so like they get this lodger he's called david and he like stuff happens um and i want david to play david he's too old i don't care <laughs> 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 he's gonna do it anyway um because it's just it's so cute and my mom got me the books for my birthday last year and i'm like still reading them because my 2 be read pals is the same height as me <laughs> and they're so good
0: David Tennant's a little bit of a chameleon. I feel like he could do that. That's fine. What Mm. age
1: is this
2: character? Um... Well, like, They're at, like, university
1: like, early <laughs> 20s and he, he might be like, do that. He's 50. He's 50. <laughs> he's not he older than 50. They can do a lot with makeup. <laughs> well, there is, like, an older
2: character that he could, like, maybe play. We <laughs> like, can't age
1: him down but, like...
0: Just age the character up. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, he went back to university yeah, as He's a mature, mature student. student. It's like,
2: fine. Yeah, then we have to, like, age up all the other characters, like the love interests and mm. stop that from... You weird but
1: no it's fine it's fine love it I love David Tennant I know <laughs> you've <laughs> always loved David Tennant. I literally
0: have yeah do you know this story <laughs> my primary school autobiography that we had to write for primary school so I was like 10 11 maybe? It's like, I had like a list of like, things I love and things I like, hate. And one of the things I love is it just, it's David Tennant. was <laughs> just like, hearts. Like <laughs> it was like, David Tennant, <laughs> dolphins. Yeah, it was like, David Tennant, dolphins. I think I said, I really liked rock climbing. <laughs> <laughs> when were you ever rock climbing? I did go rock climbing. At like, parties and stuff. Like, oh, people right, would go like to the, like, lo- the yeah. climbing oh, centre. Like, Gate. Uh, well, the Glasgow yeah. climbing mm-hmm. place, place, whatever it's called. But yeah. yeah, the one that's in a church. <laughs> oh, okay. I've yeah. uh, never been
1: there. That sounds fun. That does sound cool. It is fun. I
0: would quite like to go back now. We we could. <laughs> but we should. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's also a common
1: place here. I there is. Seen, too, but yes. I always want to go.
0: <laughs> I like him as... Um, Crawley in Good yeah, Omens. Yeah, he's good. But that, I get that. I'm less attracted to that. Season two is coming. So I know they're filming. It. It's so gonna be so good. Did weird.
2: you see the calling for like they want extras? No. Oh my gosh, they're I'll send filming the it in Edinburgh. Yeah, they're doing it for Good Omens, The Good Boys, the other Game one, One, and a third oh. one that he's not allowed to tell us about yet. <laughs> so whatever oh, else they're no. filming, that's like his.
0: What look at that. Be? Anyway, do you want to answer? Anyway, question? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have a few options. Oh, but my first thought was, and I know this sounds really wanky, <laughs> but I I realised when I was trying to think of answers for this that I really like when they cast a film or a show of an adaptation or just like a well known story with like unknown actors because mm-hmm. I feel like that's the smart way to go because yeah. you have no expectations like. My example is like Shadow and Bone, because like apart from Ben Barnes, who's still quite underrated, I would say oh, on yeah. the whole, like that's all unknown actors, and it was great. Anyway, so yeah, my answers are speaking of Shadow and Bone, we'd love to see Freddie Carter, who plays Casbraker, in more book to film adaptations, because mm-hmm. he seems to really like a primary text to work from. Mm, like yeah. every time you see interviews with him, he's like, "Oh my god, I like read the book like inside and out, like blah blah blah," and I'm like. I like that in an adaptation. Yeah, actor. we like that in an adaptation, ma'am. Yeah. yeah. So I think he has enough of like a preppy look to be Eli ever in V.E. Schwab's Vicious mm. um, series. But I actually think he'd play Victor Vale better. Although he'd have to like dye his hair pale blonde. I don't know how Freddie would look with pale blonde hair. I think hair, he would look quite cool. I think he could. Yeah, is he not already blondish? No, he's got really dark hair. Really? I thought it was blondish too. Still-
2: in... It's
0: really like, dark. <laughs> Am I making wrong? Well, I <laughs> the wrong Why have got this? I thought, perfect. Cass was
2: like, blonde, was like, dirty blonde. Yeah. I thought that too. He has
0: brown hair. Is he not dirty blonde? Are you sure? I'm 100% sure. <laughs> I really
1: believe her, but I really, I mean, I if you'd, her. if you'd put a gun to my head and asked me what colour his hair was, I would have said it was blonde. What?
2: I like how you Google Cass Brecker, the second option is Cass Brecker ex-reader. Oh. <laughs> like, we have some opinions oh no that, that is quite dark
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so, do like, not remember that on it, it looks lighter but yeah
2: it's, it's dark, just, it's yeah, dark.
0: I yeah. do not remember
1: that no that's so not what it looks
2: like in my head no that's bizarre to me but okay oh anyway. my god wait might be because of photos like that though
1: yeah that's yeah. what it looks in my head
2: <laughs> <laughs> the it's way just Emily lighter. just rolled her <laughs> <laughs> eyes <laughs>
0: He's in the sun! (laughs) (laughs) And I picture him in the sun. Yeah, we're optimistic people. (laughs) Um, Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I think Dev Patel would be a really cool Dorian from The Starless Sea. I think that you might be honest on something. But I hope they never adapt it. (laughs) <laughs> just by the way, because it's unadaptable. Yeah. So.
1: yeah, they'd have to fuck it up a lot.
0: Yeah, and we don't want that. No. So. But he, I think he would be a really good Dorian. They did like a play of it or something. That could maybe work. Possibly. Possibly. Another one, <laughs> sorry I had loads. <laughs> one that came to me was for Paige Mahoney, who's the main character in the Bone Season books by Samantha Shannon. So she's just like badass... Building climbing <laughs> young woman fugitive, <laughs> um, right. and it's kind of hard to like explain her ability without trying to explain the entire world building of that series. But basically, she can like possess other people. Okay. Um, and she's like blonde, but she wears loads of disguises, mm-hmm. and she has like a wee bit of like an Irish little to her accent. So I feel like Florence P would be really cool because she's really good at action. Mm-hmm. Sersha Ronan has, like, the right vibe mm, for it, yeah. I think. But she is aging out of it a bit, but anyway. But makeup. But makeup. <laughs> um, Haven't you heard if you're a
1: woman in Hollywood that's over 30, makeup can't save you? <laughs> that's true, you might as well be And Sersha Ronan's
0: 29, so... <laughs> pushing it. Pushing she it. Not, I genuinely thought she was older than that. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's 29. When I was younger, I really wanted Douglas Booth to play... Do you know who that is? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> he played Pip in the BBC Great Expectations adaptation, he was in The Riot Club, he was in Romeo and Juliet, he was in, he was in LOL, you know that film? Mm. He was a lot of interest in that.
1: I'm just gonna Google him. Google him. Yeah. He's
0: very beautiful. Oh, he is? Um, oh wait, I do know him. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Alright, he can play things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so... I right. Yeah, so when I was younger, I really wanted him to play Will Herondale. And an Infernal Devices oh, uh, yes. adaptation because when he was Pip in Great Expectations that was like the same year that the Infernal Devices came out and the mm-hmm. aesthetics are exactly the same. Yeah. So that would have been good but he's all again too old for that now. And then just lastly, this isn't a book thing but I feel like Lily Collins needs to play Audrey Hepburn at some point in yes. her career because she looks exactly like her. <laughs> And she's obsessed with Audrey Hepburn, so yeah, she would perfect. do it justice.
1: I agree with that. I yeah. saw her do
0: like a cosplay. Yeah, she's done it for like photo shoots or mm-hmm. something before. Yeah. Yeah, I say a cosplay. Like she's clearly <laughs> she's clearly made up as Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's me. <laughs> Sweet. What about you? Um, I have one. Okay.
1: Nice. <laughs> um, so one need for an adaptation that I will never stop talking about is the Queen of the Tearling by Erica Johansson it's a fantasy series that no one talks about but it's so good and it's fantasy and sci-fi which is just my absolute jam. It's like dystopian, fantasy, magic and science and oh love it. But the rights to the series were bought by Warner Brothers years ago but they've still not made it into a movie or a series. Mm. Initially Emma Watson was really vocal about wanting to play the lead because she's Mm. such a good character. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of glad that she never got to because I never really saw her as quite right for it. Like, mm. I feel like her as a person probably really vibes with the character, but her as an actor, I was yeah. just like, mm, don't see it. Yeah. The lead in the book is very angry. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not her. <laughs> um, just really, really raging all the time and ruthless. And I just don't think that, I think Emma Watson looks too gentle, mm. but I would love to see the queen played by Saoirse Ronan. Because I think she it can be very fierce, but she does like the vulnerability thing yeah. really well. And one of the main conflicts in this series is like the conflict between being a good leader in a realm that is fucked <laughs> and being drunk with power. <laughs> um, right. So I would love to see Saoirse Ronan play it, but again she is aging out of it because it's like a teenage queen yeah. type of deal. But she's, like, an older teenager, so I feel like you could age the character up a little bit and age Saoirse down a little bit. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: But, like, when I saw her Mary Queen of Scots, Yeah, because that's quite a similar vibe, actually. Yeah. Yeah, Like, if you combine that character with, like, the Joe March character that's raging all the time, Yeah. I'm like, yes, this is what we want.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, that's my one. Also, read the Queen of the Two. Do you know, just speaking of casting things, apparently they're doing an adaptation of meet me in another life uh-huh. which i oh i talk about on the next episode <laughs> <laughs> i've not talked about it yet hey. um they've oh. cast gal gadot as oh. um the girl hmm. like, that's not her i pictured at all but, but i'm interested I do like Gal mm-hmm. I
1: can see it just from the tone of what I yeah. don't know about
0: this that <laughs> yeah, have not read. <laughs> and she is meant to be quite like a tall character, and like because yeah, yeah. I just think of Gal Gadol as Wonder Woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I'm like that works. I think so. Yeah, she's we'll meant see. to be quite like
1: a presence, isn't mm-hmm. she? Mm-hmm. So that's definitely Galvin.
0: She's yeah. Imagine your name being Gal. Gal, yeah. I know. <laughs> is that her actual name? I, don't know. I mean, I guess up. so. She's from Israel, so it could, yeah. Be. Yeah, it could be shortening.
2: Have you guys read that interview with her um, where she like, fully like, body tackles... She tells the interview, like, she's like, you know, pretend to hit me or something, mm. She fully body tackles her, and then just, like, <laughs> pins her to the ground. Like. No, I have not. <laughs>
1: it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's Gal Gadot. Very good. Yeah. Her full name is Gal Gadot Varsano. Okay. But, yeah, it's, it's Gal. Gal. Cool name. Nice. I mean, Guy used to be a name. I mean, well, it still,
0: still is still I but, like, no one uses it. I don't know anyone called Guy. I know someone called Guy. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh? Went to school with someone called Guy.
1: No, I don't know anyone mm-hmm. called Guy. I always think of Guy Ritchie.
0: I should remember who Guy Ritchie
1: is. Oh, wait, Madonna's husband. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... Oh, wait, Guy
2: Chambers is one of my favourite composers. What is she called
1: again? Her name is actually Madonna, isn't it? Which is me. Mainly... I actually don't know. I think it yeah. is, but she's got, like, a million names. Right. Yeah. yeah. I imagine we call Madonna so. as <laughs> well. Make sure I'm right, and then we can stop. I'm pretty sure it is, but she's got like three surnames. Yeah, Madonna Louise DiCone. Not quite three, but I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just Italian. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, anyway. I think that's us. Yeah. yeah that's us that's us this week if you have any comments or questions then our email is infatuatedpodcast at outlook.com we have social media which is linked in the show notes along with all the stuff that we mentioned this week we also have the infatuated mix with all the music we mentioned there's now quite a few songs added to that (laughs) after today yeah thanks Rhiannon for coming and joining us thank you so much for having me this has been a blast it has Yeah, I know it's been so fun um, and we'll no, see and, and rate and reviewers. Yes, rate and review <laughs> <up. laughs> Give them five stars, they're great Even if you don't want to rate us, rate Rihanna Yeah
2: No, don't rate Rihanna because I think you give her one star But give them five
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we'll see you later, bye
0: Bye <laughs>